He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. I am Anthony Irwin, today joined by one of my favorite people on the Lakers beat, somebody I always really enjoy uh, talking to about this stuff, because I think we, we we approach this with a lot of the same... We, there's an, a lot of commonality, I think, to the way that we kind of look at this stuff and the way that we read situations. As evidenced by, I asked you, hey, how are you doing? How's this season going so far? And does everything change with the one win? And we were both like, come on. <laughs> So Jovan Buha of The Athletic is here, man. How how you doing? How you holding up? I'm holding up, man. Uh, <laughs> it, it's been, it, it's felt like three seasons in like a week. <laughs> uh, it's just been nonstop, but um, it's fun. This is what like, you know, this is what we live for. This is what we do it for. So uh, it, it's been fun and it was good. It was good to see the Lakers get a win last night and, and just at least lighten the spirits. And I, I, th- I thought the, the Darwin video was cool and, um, so, you know, I, I think that they're better than their one in five record, but there are still obviously some issues that they, they got to iron out in, in the next few weeks and, and months. I'm going to ask the, uh, zillion, just start us right off the bat with the zillion dollar question that everybody is wondering about. Was that mop water that LeBron dropped on Darvin's head there? Did you see that? He dropped a bottle. It was like a bucket of uh, water. <laughs> I think it's actually might be nastier where I think that's like foot water. Like, see, all right. Thank you. We were just talking about this in the SB. Like we had our, we had our uh, SB nation, like NBA team meeting, right. With the community managers there. And Harrison is of the mind that mop water would be nastier than foot water. I'm of the mind that I think foot water is actually nastier because there isn't any other like chemicals in there. It's just ice and cold water. Whereas yeah, you have the soap to theoretically clear, clean it up or whatever, but that's just foot that's being dropped on you. I, I would say maybe the average foot, like, like mop water is probably nastier than the average foot water, but NBA player foot water. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever seen an NBA player's foot. But <laughs> their toes are all jumbled and yeah. It's, it's, yeah, like the, there's fungus in there and stuff. Like it's just, uh, the, you know, the nails are all messed up. Like it's, yeah, uh, they ask so more of their I, feet I, than we do. Yeah, so I, I would say the the NBA player foot water specifically is uh, is gross. <laughs> We're clearing up the, the the questions that need most answering here um, on the Anthony Irwin show. Um, no, I so the Lakers do get their first win against Denver. They do so in you know kind of surprising fashion, right? Shooting forty almost forty five percent from three point range last night. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, Russ committing to the small things coming off of the bench, he's still playing 30 plus minutes a night. I think we, I don't think we'll really see a sustainable model here until he gets below 30 minutes a night of, of what it could look like a proper rotation that makes the most sense. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of the vibes surrounding this team, they're the most positive. I think that they've been so far. My question is about sustainability and you know, when I've talked about this Russell Westbrook situation and now specifically with him moving to the bench, yeah, he made good. He's put a good face on to this point. 
coming off of the bench and doing more of the small things that he wasn't necessarily doing last year for, for Frank Vogel. Um, but I do think that that has kind of that, that that's not a, a in perpetuity kind of a thing that I think, you know, it's, it's still making good on a tough situation until he gets moved. It's showing that, yeah, he'll, he'll be a good soldier until, until that time comes where a line in the sand gets crossed and you just never really know when, when that is until that line gets crossed. So do you think that like the, do you think that the resolution to this has changed now that he's looked like he's looked coming off of the bench? No, no. Um, I think Russ playing well or or playing better. um, It's, it's threefold where I think one, it, it just helps the Lakers because he's still a part of the rotation, whether he's coming, you know, starting, starting, coming off the bench, uh, he's, as you said, you know, still playing a lot of minutes. So just, you know, having a better basketball player that that's a plus, uh, two, I think it makes him more attractive as a trade uh, asset. Mm-hmm. It, it might only be slightly be, because most teams that are trading for him aren't looking to do so to actually play him or, or build around him or whatnot. But I think just not having, I think just helps the perception of Russell Westbrook as yeah. a player, and and that makes him more attractive because I I think, you know, we often look at it from the Lakers side, but I think you have to look at it sometimes too from the uh, you know an opposing team side of like what are they kind of getting if um like like just kind of think for a second what is the reaction you know let's say Russell Westbrook gets traded to Indiana or Charlotte or or wherever like what is the reaction it's gonna kind of be you know, Laker fans, a lot of Laker fans celebrating and, you know, we got off Russ and da da da, and, you know, yeah. we got this back. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure, you know, as of right now, like the other fan base probably wouldn't be too happy. Uh, yeah. you know, maybe there are fans that want that, you know, team to tank and, and whatnot. But like, I think that the perception of Russ has soured so much that him playing better and having a better spirit overall, like, I think that just, you know, makes him more attractive Again, it might be a minor thing, but it, it just improves that situation. And then three, I think it just makes the whole situation better for everybody because it was getting kind of toxic there, especially yeah. after that Portland loss where you, you had LeBron kind of calling out the media, saying he was feeling set up with, with these Russ questions. But like it was really that press conference was like 75% Russ questions or, or related to yeah. Russ and, and his well, role and his performance. And like, and I said it like it's just it feels like he was like the elephant in the room and now he's like all the air in the room where like you you just can't like escape it like yeah um and i think you know subsequently he he missed the game and then he's come off the bench a couple times so like it's kind of worked itself out but i think that like this is definitely headed in a better direction overall where it's at least less toxic less you know uh inflammable like it's just healthier uh but i i don't think it's changed at all i i still think the lakers are planning to trade Russ at some point, you know, most likely around that Thanksgiving to Christmas area where teams will be 20, 25, 30 games into the season. They'll have a better sense of where the Lakers are and where their, uh, you know, opposing teams are and then what's kind of uh, available at that point. So I still think that that's the plan, but this is at least making it a more amicable situation in the meantime. So I wanted to talk about that, that 20 game, number right and that was that was kind of swirling around heading into the season as soon as you know they enter training camp with russ on the team it wasn't like 
Rob Polinka went out of his way to drop a bucket of water on any and all uh, trade rumors that were that were circling the Lakers at that time. He even said, essentially, at uh, the um, at his own, uh, I guess, preseason interview or whatever it is, his own his, one of the few media avail- availabilities that he's done to this point. He even said that, yeah, we're still looking to improve our team. We are still, and this is one way that we can do it. And 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 you know, I thought that was very telling. Somebody who doesn't normally give you very direct answers. That's about as close as you're going to come with Polinka too directly saying, yeah, we're, of course we're still looking to move this guy. And, um, you know, 20 games is a quarter of the season, and it comes with its own risk, even as I kind of understand where they're coming from. This notion of, yeah, maybe some team that we haven't previously spoken to that had some preconceived notion about the way their season is going to go. Maybe because of the way their season goes, they open up the market a little bit more and they might be more willing to take on Russ without having to include both of those picks. And maybe we get a higher caliber player, right? Somebody like DeMar DeRozan, who his, his, his name has kind of slipped into some of those rumors and some of the, the smoke swirling around the Lakers right now. Um, but the risk there from the Lakers perspective, and it was real loud <laughs> for the first uh, five games was, well, what if you waste the entirety of the first quarter of your season? And now you are the ones that teams might be looking at the roster and saying, well, there might be a meaningful player over there um, that might wouldn't normally have been um, available. So the 20 game number, do you see a situation where that, would decline or do you think that's still a hard line to the Lakers that we are still going to wait until Thanksgiving and we are still going to stick to to this approach um, no matter how this opening of the season goes? Yeah, well, th- there are still conversations being had and, and you know, ongoing conversations and, and that that's always a thing. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they made a move before Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I think just kind of looking at it like, you know, December 15th is, is a key date where certain, you know, free agents signed can be traded and, and January 15th is another one. Uh, mm-hmm. So that just widens the pool of potential deals that you can make by by waiting that long. Um, I, I also think for the Lakers, like I think in a disaster scenario where the Lakers go five and 20 at the 25 game mark, like that is maybe a scenario um, you know, from my understanding that they would potentially pull the plug on it and just be like, okay, like we're going to stand pat and, um, you know, this roster is what it is. That This is kind of like a lost season and mm-hmm. there's really no point in going for it when we're this far behind. Um, so th- that's like, I think the the one scenario in which they, they wouldn't continue to pursue this, but um, my understanding is they are going to continue to pursue this. Uh, I, I think that they have kind of marked that, Thanksgiving-ish, you know, timeline as realistic time to to you know strike a deal or, or really ramp up the conversation, but it, it could happen sooner. Uh, it could also happen later. But I think for for them, they think they'll have you know more teams interested because also with each passing day, Russ's contract becomes more valuable. Which yeah. just um, it's cheaper. You know, it, it being, it's cheaper. It's you know, expiring contract, and um, I, I also think like too. I, th- I think a lot of the focus is on what Russ can't do or his, his limitations or, or just his production. But I, I think another way to kind of frame it is like what this roster needs. Yeah. And, and it's just like, imagine 
you know, imagine a, a Buddy Heald and a Miles Turner with this roster and just the, the shooting they would provide, the rim protection and rebounding that Turner would provide, the gravity that, you know, like you, you see even throwing a Matt Ryan out there, what yeah. he's able to do and the shots he's able to get with the way that teams defend the Lakers and, and just the gravity that LeBron and AD have when they're going, you know, posting up or, or going to the rim, running pick and roll, whatever. Like, just imagine Buddy Heel taking those shots instead of Matt Ryan. Uh, imagine uh, Miles Turner in the Thomas Bryant role as a stretch five. Like, I think that's really a, a you know a better way to look at it. Where it's not so much like you know can Russ. You know, R- R- we're seeing it now. Like Russ is buying into this six man role. They had a competitive game in Minnesota. They just beat Denver. Like, I think there there is a path to. And you know we've talked about. That. I, I feel like everyone kind of in. Lakers Twitter and whatnot has talked about like Russ moving to the bench was the smartest thing to do. And and it was yeah. going to get a better version of him. It was going to get a better version of the Lakers. Like, and we're seeing that. I think there's just still a ceiling there with the roster construction and, and, and with Russ's fit with LeBron that like, you know, this is not a championship team, but can it become a championship team with Miles Turner and Buddy Heald? Is there another deal out there that, that we're not aware of that, you know, maybe that package elevates them. Like, Maybe uh, I, I'm kind of skeptical after this start. And I think they've, they've in some ways looked better than I thought they would in some ways, obviously look worse. But I think just adding what Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, you know, that, that's kind of the package that's been out there the most. Like just thinking about that with what we've seen from this group, like those two guys would add a lot to, to, to what this group needs. So they, they could I think be that, like that's really the way right to, to kind of frame it more. Yeah, they, they could be like three. Like I, I, I posed I a question be. on Twitter, you know, and yeah, they've been competitive. And that's the part that it's that's always kind of driven me insane. It's like all you, for me, the point of this last offseason was put a roster around LeBron and AD that gives them a puncher's chance, right? That gives them an, the opportunity to vie for a championship. And I didn't think this roster, as it's currently constituted, does. Um, you move Russ, and 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 you have more of a chance at that. You now how close they are to the Golden States and the Milwaukee's of the world. That's, that's fair to bring up even if they trade for, for Buddy and Heald. But we know, or for, for Buddy and, and Turner, um, we know, though, like right now, that it's too, they're too small and they don't shoot. And those are two things that like, you cannot uh, say about the same roster. Um, I, the thing that, that was crossing my mind last night, though, was... So you and, and, and you can feel free to disagree with with either of these points, because if, if you disagree with either of them, the, the whole question becomes moot. But obviously, the Lakers best chance at improving their roster is moving Russ. That's a forty seven million dollar expiring contract that you can bring back multiple role players uh, for and. And, you know, especially if you include those two first round picks like you and I, I think, agree on that front. But also, the Lakers don't win last night's game without Russ and without Russ playing the way that he did. And, you know, do you think there's a a scenario here where the Lakers see that and maybe alter course here on their adamancy about trading Russ? Is there, is there you know, because do you see somebody on their roster who can provide the punch off of the bench that Russ did? Or do you think that even matters given that, Hey, given the holes that the Lakers have elsewhere on the roster, I, I think I'm, I'm more to the latter. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I, again, I, I think 
if Russ plays the way he's played the last couple of games, like the rest of the season, like that, I think is a productive player that will be in the six man of the year conversation. If not potentially the six man of the year favorite, like I, yeah. I, I think that guy, that guy helps. Um, but I think to, to your point, like, like there are other ways to, to improve the roster. Like they could technically trade Pat Beverly and, and attach maybe a, a pick to him or, uh, but I mean, it's just the way that the roster is constructed it's hard to move salary with this yeah. group. They don't have a lot of mid-sized contracts. So it really like, if you are going to improve the roster, trading Russ is kind of the one way, like regardless of how you feel about Russ, even if you're a Russ fan and, and love Russ, like that is kind of, you know, you, you can't screw the trade up. Like that's, that's the one thing is like, you got to be careful with what you trade Russ for. And, and I think that's where, you know, the, the Lakers are currently at is like, they're really trying to be diligent on, the package that they get back and, and really evaluating what is the best move here. But as long as you don't screw up what you get back, like that is the one way to upgrade this roster. Uh, and I think the Indiana trade has been very divisive. Like I, I'm of the mindset that that trade would elevate this team. Like I look at the, the, the quartet of uh, Turner, 80 LeBron, buddy healed, and then put in your, your favorite fifth Laker, Pat, Austin, Lonnie, Kendrick, Troy, like I think any of those guys could fit in as that fifth guy, and that's a really good lineup. Yeah. Uh, that's a decent rotation. And, and that's you, a got, you got size, you got, you got sh- some shooting. Like I think, like I, I think one of the the under kind of talked about things so far is like I think the trio of Austin, Lonnie, and Troy is like actually shaping up to be better than we thought, and, and like kind of providing stuff on both ends that mm-hmm. um, yes, overall they're kind of a smaller group and you don't necessarily want all your wings to kind of be six, four, six, five, but like those three guys, I, I think you kind of saw it with the way the rotation played out last night with less Pat Everly. Uh, Kendrick was basically phased out of the rotation entirely. Like those three guys are, are kind of coming into their own and, and really kind of providing different things that th- this group needs. So I think that's like another reason for optimism with this group of, of, of just, you know, LeBron is for the most part, look like LeBron. I think 80 has been pretty good when he hasn't been limping up and down the court, which has been the last yeah. couple of games. Mm-hmm. And then you got those three young guys who I, I think are starting to kind of show that they can be rotation caliber role players. So like you add in miles Turner and, and buddy healed and all of a sudden, like I, I like that rotation. So um, I, I think to your, to your point, like, I think the the Lakers are maybe more okay with the the alternate reality that they don't trade Russ and they keep him, and you know it's it's maybe headed in a better alternative direction. But overall, I, I believe you know, and, and from my understanding, like the, the plan is still to trade him at some point. And again, I think it's more of just the roster is very guard heavy. They're light on shooting. They're small in the perimeter. And the one way to solve at least one of those issues, if not a couple of them, is to move him. And b- because he also kind of exacerbates all those problems. Like he he's a small guard, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, powerful, physical, athletic, but like still six foot three, uh, yeah. you know, not a good shooter. And, um, you know, like, so I, I think that th- those couple problems, like he's kind of the face of the Lakers problems to, to an extent. So, uh, you know, for, for better or worse. So I think, you know, I think they're okay with probably hanging on to him longer maybe than they would have been in the past. I don't think there's that urgency of like, we got to get this guy out of here right now. But 
that could all that could obviously change depending on how the next couple of weeks go. And um, you know, Russ did say the last game, like it's hard to sacrifice when we're losing. And that's kind of the one thing here is like, okay, they won every, you know, people's spirits are higher, but if they lose their next three games and all of a sudden they're one and eight, like what is, what does that look like? Is he still okay with coming off the bench? So I, I think that's something to kind of monitor longer term as the Lakers either, you know, kind of rise and, and use this to gain some momentum or kind of go back to the way they ha- had been playing, especially in like second halves, uh, you know, the last few games. Yeah. You mentioned like, you know, anything can change it, it you know, something could change and, and, him coming off of the bench could look less productive and stuff. And that's, that's honestly what I've been looking at here is like, like my main question with Russ is all, it has always been, why would he commit to sacrifice with the Lakers knowing that they aren't really necessarily committed to him. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's good that he has, uh, you know, it's, it's been cool to see. I'm glad that he had that moment that he had last night with, uh, the hometown Lakers fans. Uh, the, 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 the fan base was, I think that was the most positive experience he's really had with Lakers fans to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, although, uh, did you notice this? It was, I think it was the second three, the one that he kind of hesitated with on the left wing, and then he went up and he shot it and he made it. Did you see him turn around and it? It almost looked from like my vantage point. He was almost like shushing though. <laughs> it was incredible. It's, like I, I, I will say. Um... I thought it was interesting, like post game, and, and and I wrote this, so I'm I'm comfortable talking about it. But like, he was asked a couple times, like you know, we, we know the history of, uh, you know, I would say by the midway point of last season, the fan base largely yeah. turned on him, and you know, it was when he was attempting threes, there'd be like gasps in the crowd, and there was obviously you know the Westbrook uh, or Westbrook, Westbrook. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, comment, you know, comments, and and him talking about how that's disrespectful and and kind of crossing a line and he didn't feel comfortable bringing his face. Like it, it did get pretty toxic. And, and even yeah. at the beginning of this season, you know, that carried it into this season. And we saw that one video where the fan was, was um, you know, hurling profanities at him and, and yeah. kind of confronting him. Uh, and I believe that was the Clippers game, which was technically their, their home opener. So uh, that one or the Portland game, I, I don't remember which one it was, but uh, like, it, it's been pretty toxic. And um Russ, you know, Russ is not really the, you know, my my understanding or kind of my sense, like from the outside looking in, like he's not the most forgiving guy, uh, you know, I I would say. Um, And I thought it was interesting that like there was a couple times he was asked about the crowd last night and he like one of them was baked into like a larger question. And then another one, I believe, was more of just a direct crowd question. And like both times he did not acknowledge yeah. the crowd or the fan base. It was very much like one, I think he thanked God and like kind of him having like natural talent and, and ability and stuff. And then another one, he just talked about like setting his teammates up and, and the joy and in, in, in yeah. which he gets like helping others. But there was no, like, you know, it was nice to connect with the crowd or like, I appreciated that moment or what. Cause he was asked specifically about the moment where he, you know, end of third quarter, Lakers on that big run, he, he's hyping up the crowd and like, he just kind of dodged, you know, yeah. acknowledging that. And, um, I don't, on, on one hand, I don't blame him because it, it's obviously been kind of contentious on, but at the same time, I'm like, I felt like that was an opportunity for him to further endear himself to Laker fans. And, and I've, I've kind of been on the mindset and I've said this a, a couple of places, like, if Russ came out and kind of just said, like, I know I haven't been playing my best, 
Um, I know it's it's been a little rocky here, but like I'm buying into this bench roll. I'm trying. Yeah. And um, you know, I appreciate the love from Laker fans. I appreciate the patience. Like, you know, that was a great moment. Like something like that, like that would go a long way, I think, yeah. in the fan base. But the, the continued kind of like not talking about it and, and then even talking about he was asked about the bench roll, and it's kind of like you know, well, I'm just doing, you know, I've always wanted to sacrifice and I'm just doing what, what I'm asked. And like, that hasn't always aligned with, yeah. with kind of the reality of things. So I, I just thought, I think like sometimes he does himself a disservice by being a little too proud where if he just had like a moment of like humility and, and accountability, I think that would win over, I think it went over the media. I think it went over the fan base. And I think a lot of the heat that he catches would be gone. But I, I think part of it, it's not just kind of the performance and and the missing layups and the air balls and what it's like. It's also kind of the way he carries himself and, and some of his answers to, to some of these questions. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, again, I think it's important to say both of those things that I understand why he has animosity towards the yeah. fans, but also if this is going to get fixed and it, it like, there's a good chance it doesn't. I would actually, not, yeah. I, I'd wager it doesn't Probably because not, yeah. I don't think he's going to be around long enough for it to get fixed. Um, but if it was going to get fixed, it would take steps forward like that, meeting people back in the middle and being like, Hey, I know last year was a disaster. I know shooting 8% from three point range to start this year is, is, is not great, but here, look, I made one, <laughs> you know, Hey, look, I'm trying, I'm coming off of the bench. I'm doing some more of those small things. And by the way, we just won. So like if, if it was, if it was more of that kind of message, I, I, I agree completely. Um, the LeBron part of this is also what I find interesting. And in the first half of last night's game, I thought, like, it, look, the, the misses at the rim, that's going to happen as you near 40 in the NBA. Like, that's that's just, uh, you know, something that happens to everybody as he's making commercials about his battle against Father Time. This is, you know, something he's aware of, and it's impossible not to be aware of. But I thought some of it, like the 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 way that he was missing it, trying to slide shots by, trying to slide layups by with his left hand, um, and not necessarily challenging defenders at the rim with his right, and then in the second half, doing more of the latter and having more success because he was doing more of the latter, um, that struck me as interesting. That like you know potentially, and then also like this is on the heels of him sending out that that uh, was I don't think it was a tweet, right? It was on his Instagram. Where it was like, uh, how long will they take you for granted? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you love, know, love clearly the, love the third the third person references. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh you know, he's the wild card. He's the thing that like as soon as he is out on this attempt to wait 20 games, that changes the math, right? And he that's not how he operates. He's not the kind of person who who um will go out there and say something explicitly. Uh, he he prefers to work more um, behind the scenes and passive aggressively make it known what he prefers. But his his kind of approach to the season has always really struck me as interesting. And you know his answers last night after Russ has that performance, just like it was interesting to hear Russ not necessarily be interested in in uh, yeah I I loved getting that reaction from the crowd. We didn't get anything like that from Russ. We also didn't necessarily get much from LeBron about Russ. It was a lot more quarterback speak from him. Um, do you sense that, like, at any point he might put his foot down? And especially if if they open, like, 
six and 14 through these first 20 games, that's a big hill to climb in the West. Uh, and, and that's by the way, what I predicted, um, their, how their first 20 games might go. If they, if it starts heading in that direction, do you sense that LeBron could at some point just kind of put his foot down and say, guys, we got to fix this. What are we doing here? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's complicated. Um, because I, I think LeBron could have done more of that this offseason and chose not to. I think he's he's obviously, you know, calculated and, and very well aware of his perception as led GM and and kind of that every roster is kind of built by him and whatnot. And he obviously got a lot of flack for the rust trade and um and honestly, you know, fairly so, right? Like uh I, I think it, ne- it never really made sense, but it, it's probably even played out like worse than anyone could have imagined at the time. Uh, so I think it was a little bit more hands off w- with the rust situation and, and kind of applying pressure. I, I think when Kyrie was available, th- there was a little bit more urgency of like, l- let's try to get Kyrie. Let's try to make that happen. But yeah. um, once that kind of situation was settled, uh, I-, I think he kind of, has just kind of kept his hands out of it. And um, I think like, if you gave him truth serum, it would probably be like, yeah, let's, let's trade Russ. Like, and, and not even necessarily, I don't know how much of it is, is like a Russ specific thing. Just, I think it's just looking at the roster again, it's looking at the roster and looking at the only ways to upgrade the roster. That's kind of the move. Um, But I I, I'm with you. I, I wrote it last night. I thought it was interesting that he was asked about Russ a couple times and, uh, really had rather straightforward uh answers and and really just the vibe overall with lebron like it wasn't it wasn't very cheerful it wasn't very celebratory and and yeah. look he's he's in year 20 and he's 37 like it's not he's not going to be he's i think you know his kind of vibe was still kind of like hey we're one in five like we haven't yeah. done like we want a game but we're still one in five like yeah. uh whereas I think like you know Darwin was happy, um, and Darwin in, in general is more of like a, a glass half full guy, as he would attest to. Uh, but even AD was a little more upbeat, and Russ for for his standard was was kind of upbeat as well. So like it was just interesting that LeBron was, I, I don't want to say down because that that's a little bit dramatic, but I mean relatively you, like you can go to YouTube right now and, and watch that press conference and like he you know there was not like an upbeat kind of spirit there so uh i think it, it was interesting that like with russ uh ad spoke glowingly and, and had this like uh you know two minute answer about russ and what he told russ after the game and and how uh in, you know inspiring it is that someone of russ's caliber is one to come off the bench and darvin had a whole uh you know uh, answer about russ about and what he told him on the sideline and um how much you know, he's gotten Russ to trust him and all this stuff. And then LeBron's answers on Russ were like, you know, two sentences. And it was just very like, just like he was talking about anybody. And, um, and it's so been like I, I don't know if that's back to the preseason. That's too. kind of been like that, the, the, the viable season. And, and, you know, for, for last night, maybe LeBron was, was in a mood or, you know, you never know what really what's going on, you know, post game or, or whatnot, but somebody told I just him thought he it was just dumped a bunch like, of foot water on his head coach. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he's had, a, he's had several opportunities to, to really kind of, pump up Russ and, and and pump up 
you know, the, the, the sacrifice and, and whatnot that's kind of going on and, and he's chosen not to. So for whatever reason, I've just found that interesting. He's also the kind of guy who is aware of his passing on the opportunity to pump up Russ. Like this is not like AD is a lot more just fresh off the cuff. Whatever I'm feeling in this moment, I'm just going to go out and say, right. That's what got him in trouble when he was asked about his shooting in the off season. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't shot in weeks. <laughs> to 80, you just, you just finished shooting 17% from three point range. Maybe don't say that. Um, it, LeBron is a lot more, you know, he, he, he does think about all of this and he is very aware of the, of the response to the things he says, the things he doesn't say, the way he does or doesn't say those things. That's something that like, he's very calculated with that stuff. And I, I think you're absolutely right to note that in your piece that, yeah, this was, this, this stuck out a little bit here. And, and I think by the way, the one thing you can always say about LeBron and, and I think his instincts in bringing Russ over here were clearly misguided, but he does like, he is one of the smartest basketball minds that we have ever seen and we will ever see. And he knows what a championship roster looks like. He knows what it's going to take, especially against these warriors, this core of the warriors. He knows exactly what it's going to take to beat those guys. And he, like, he, he's probably looking around and he's looking at this roster and he's saying, yeah, this ain't it. This, this is, this is, this is not what it's going to take uh, to compete, to compete against those guys. And specifically against a Steph team, like it, he has a lot riding on his little rivalry against Steph in this era. And he's probably incredibly frustrated by how things have come to play out. Partially, obviously, he's had something to do with that, but it doesn't change the fact that things aren't going very well it, and, and, and they, they can be fixed. And I'm sure that, you know, at this stage, it'd be weird if he wasn't pushing for it to get fixed sooner rather than later. Um, last, last thing before we uh, get out of here on, on the Lakers kind of moving forward, you mentioned the the supporting cast and what we've seen so far from Austin Reeves, what we've seen so far from from uh, Brown, and what we've seen from Lonnie Walker, and how you know Pat has kind of moved to the peripheries of the rotation. Kendrick Nunn played like three minutes last night, and you know they're still waiting for Dennis Schroeder to come back. Obviously, the rust trade is what is what's getting all the attention right now because it's the most impending, but. I've kind of started thinking about a Pat and Nunn trade package and, and if they, if they want more wing depth or something like that, um, that that's something they would pursue. It doesn't even have to be about those guys specifically, but there's no way the Lakers actually think they're done after the rust trade. Right. Have you, have you heard anything on, on that front or is that the, their sole focus right now? Uh, I, I think that they're exploring all, avenues of of you know of, of upgrading the roster and if the right opportunity presented itself with trading a pat trading a kendrick um they would do that and, and you know in, in some way like you know th there's a path to maybe getting miles turner with you know one or or you know both of those guys in, mm -hmm. in a pick or something like if, if they just want to get turner or healed individually it doesn't have to be just Russ, but, um, you know, I, I think my, my, my kind of sense would be more, it, it would kind of be, let's, let's move Russ. Let's see what the team looks like post trade. And then closer to the deadline, 
we can make a secondary move and, and, and kind of evaluate because I, I think the one thing like if they do move Russ and most of the, the packages have not been bringing back a point guard, although with Utah, maybe they get like Conley or, or with Charlotte, maybe they get Terry Rogier, like, and, and, and then that it's kind of more of a natural fit there. But if it is a Turner heel deal, like you are losing ball handling, you're losing yeah. that North South element that, that Russ brings. So I think guys like Kendrick Nunn and Patrick Beverly do become a little bit more valuable. Yeah. Where you know you're not replacing those guys necessarily with like a G League point guard. Like you, you kind of need those guys to at least be secondary ball handlers and creators. So I, I do think I, I don't know if you just give those guys up or, or or look for like you know we need another wing, but it's like now you're really light on ball handling uh, because. Aside from LeBron and Russ, like this hasn't been the most encouraging start to the season from like a ball handling, yeah, shot creation perspective. They have a I ton do of think, players there, and it's all been kind of underwhelming. I think Austin Reeves is someone who um, I think is a bit underrated in that regard. I don't know, like, if he's ready for like a twenty minute a night doing that. Um, you know, I, I think that that's still kind of to be determined. But he's he's someone that I think could maybe like we, we saw it at the end of last year where. Um, I think it was, I don't remember the exact amount of games, but it was something like five out of seven or six out of eight uh, of the final games of the season. He had like five plus assists. And I think uh, again, you know, at that point of the season, like the, the Lakers season was over and, and, um, you know, it wasn't the normal rotation, but I think Austin showed toward the end of last year that, you know, th- th- he was, you know, I wrote a feature on him over the summer. Like he was a point guard all through high school and mm-hmm. into college and I think we've seen some of that where, um, you know, maybe, again, maybe he's not in every night, you know, for the, his entire shift in the game point guard. But I think he is he might be like the the third best ball handler on this team, actually, you know, behind LeBron and Russ. So mm-hmm. that's something I think to, may, to maybe kind of keep an eye on. But uh, I think t- to your point, like, I don't think they're done after the Russ trade, but that's kind of the swing domino that really shapes what the roster looks like. And then maybe it's a, it's a minor tweak. Cause also you're probably giving up two picks in the rust trade. And at that point you don't really have much to, to attach yeah. to a Pat or to a Kendrick in a deal. So maybe someone's looking for, uh, you know, one of their contracts or, or to fit them into the rotation and, and you can find something, but um, it, it's, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think they're done post rust deal, but that's kind of the thing that's gonna, cause, cause again, like, do you get Rogier and, and Hayward? Cause that change, like now you kind of need a big and, and like now with Rogier and Hayward, you're probably safe on the ball handling and shot creation, but maybe do you trade Pat or, or Kendrick for a big yeah. versus Heald and Turner? You have different kind of needs there. So I think it really depends on what they do with, with Russ and, and then kind of figuring out what else do we need? And, and, you know, can we make a second deal after that? I've been remiss. I can't believe I haven't brought it up to this point. So I lied a second ago when we said we were on our last thing. Have you ever seen anything like this Miles Turner interview? Like, yeah, I don't. I don't know how. Yeah, can a player um, get fined for tampering on their on the no, on himself? No. <laughs> like, what is um, going on? Well, maybe the team could find him. Well, for... I feel like the. I feel like a. So, I don't think a player is allowed to come out and publicly demand a trade. Like we've seen players get fined for doing that, but he never flat out. He says that's something that the Lakers should maybe look into. He never like flat out says, get me the bleep out of here. Uh, but still this is a first 
Like, <laughs> I, I've never seen a player go out there and so succinctly and explicitly basically just say like, yeah, no, this is done here. We're done here. I'm leaving at the end of the season. Um, they should probably get something for me while they can. I, I was, I was flabbergasted, uh, seeing the clips online and then listening to, to the, to the, to the pod, uh, after the fact, that's all on the Woj pod, um, where Miles Turner goes on there and say, again, just essentially says, yeah, I'm done in Indiana. What was your reaction to all of that? Uh, I mean, I, I was, I wasn't surprised because there, there's been Turner to LA buzz for a couple years now where yeah. like, especially at the, the last couple trade deadlines, like he's been a name that it's constantly kind of been thrown out there. Um, I've heard he wants to be in LA. So I, I think that yeah. isn't um, something that I, I was surprised by. I was surprised that he was that like transparent about it. <laughs> and I, I think it, it makes it awkward on, on the Indiana side and, and, and almost like, I don't know how much that affects leverage, but I think it's got to give the Lakers a little bit extra juice, yeah. I would think. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think one thing I know from the Lakers side that they've been kind of thinking about in terms of a potential Indiana deal is like, what happens with Miles Turner? Because he is an expiring contract and this is kind of your one move, especially if you're giving up a couple picks here. So, you know, is Miles Turner someone that we want to resign? Um, yeah. You know, is he willing to resign? Uh, and I think the he's looking for a big deal, you know, kind of 20, 25 million uh, per year. So, like, is that, you know, are the Lakers willing to do a three year, $75 million, you know, extension or, or you know, signing him in the offseason? Like, that, you know, that's a big number. And you yeah. are kind of locking your, your core into being, Turner, AD, and LeBron for, for the next couple of years. And like those are your three highest paid players. And I think it can work. I, and I think he would compliment matter. them great, but I don't know if that's like the, the best approach. And I think that's what they're kind of weighing. Um, and there's also some some chatter that he wants to test free agency and like has never really been a free agent and, and wants to, you know, kind of uh just pick the best option for himself. Just well, think of the podcast that, that he so, could like, do. <laughs> yeah like so yeah him and pat um but yeah i think i think i i was i was very surprised at like the manner in which it kind of came out um but who knows maybe, maybe this does expedite the the process and uh you know he, he's in la in the next couple of weeks but I, I think i think i think it helps i think it helps the lakers marginally but yeah you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out yeah i i'm i'm kind of of like when, when there's this much noise out there and this many specifics about a trade i'm always dubious that the trade actually goes through because at this point like whichever side whether it's the lakers side or indiana side if the lakers give up both of their picks they're gonna feel like it's it's gonna be out there publicly that they lost those negotiations they blinked and they they included both picks when they didn't want to and then if indiana makes a trade without getting both of those picks it'll look like they lost the negotiations. They blinked and they got, they moved Turner for less of less than they wanted to in the first place. Um, I kind of won. I, I kind of feel like that stalemate is, is a lot to overcome. Um, but, but who knows? Hey, Rob was just freshly extended. So, so you, you're going to keep your job anyway, Rob, just go ahead and move both of those picks. Um, all right, man. Well, thank you very much, Jovan, for, for hopping on here. I do want to plug, 
uh, all of your work at the Athletic, which I think is 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 fantastic stuff from start to finish, covering the Lakers. You also have your stargazing pod coming back. Uh, you said towards the end of the year, and then at Yovan Buha on Twitter, on TikTok, and on Instagram. Anything else specifically that you wanna? I can get out of your way. You can plug. No, that that's pretty much it. Uh, I would just say uh, I, I've been much more active on TikTok over the past year or so, and and have um, interacted with a bunch of Laker fans. So if you're a Laker fan on TikTok, uh, I try to post behind the scenes stuff from, from games and practices and, and whatnot. So uh, definitely check that out if you're interested. Yeah. I made a TikTok. I've yet to post my, per, my first video. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, it's an interesting area that I think people can get really creative with. And I think it's really, it's, cool it's not what people trying. like, I thought it was all dancing and, and, yeah. you know, teenagers and, and whatnot, but it's, it's like, as you said, like people, it's every everything you can think of there's like a tiktok community for yeah. that genre yeah and really smart of you to get out ahead of it here with the lakers that's that's really cool stuff um all right thank you very much jovan uh, best of luck here moving forward covering this weird ass team <laughs> <laughs> it's fun it's it, they keep things interesting man absolutely uh, I'll, I'll talk to you soon man i, I look forward to, to the rest of your content